0: Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise, praise the Lord. So good to see you on this beautiful Wednesday night. We're going to see what God will do as we study His Word. How many love God's Word? Amen. Amen. I really am so excited about these series that we're in about salvation for all. And uh, if you're joining us online, I hope you'll grab a pen and paper of your Bible and that you will engage with our study tonight. And tonight, I, was, I told you we're going to go and dive into baptism. And I'm going to touch it for a second, but I really feel uh, uh, that I need to uh, talk um, a little bit about uh, something as, as well that is concerning our salvation is so important. This is an important factor because of some of the things that we hear in our world and some of the things that we face. Um, I've, I've been with multiple people in the last week, and they have asked me the same question. I felt like, well, that's a sign from the Lord. So... I promise you, we will get to baptism in Jesus, and we're going to touch it a little bit tonight, um, uh, but we're going to dive really deep into it. But I really, I'm going to uh, talk to you, and I think it'll be obvious. Let's go to the Word of the Lord. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love and your kindness. We ask that your Word would come into our hearts, and that, Lord, you would just let us hear your Word and put it into our spirits and know that you are speaking truth to us. In Jesus' name, touch every person. Touch those that are sick tonight. Those that are, Lord, struggling in their life. Let them be ministered to by the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say amen. 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 Uh, So uh, I see tonight that uh, we are a little bit late, and I apologize for that, uh, working on these difficulties. But let's go right to the Word of the Lord. Acts 16 and 30. We read this every week in our study, and I'm going to read it again. This is... The Apostle Paul and Paul and Silas, they're, they're in the jail. They've sung. They've praised God. And the earthquake comes and shakes that jail loose. And now they're ministering to the jailer who was fixing to take his life because he was fearful of the authorities. But Paul says, hey, don't do anything. We're all here. And he ministers to him. And this is what that jailer says to them. He brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's the question of the hour. It's the question that is on the lips of all those seeking God and trying to find their way back to where God wants them. What do I need to do? What is the must? Everybody say must. must. Um, that word is exactly what it means in the English language as well as in, in uh, the Greek. It means that it's, it's not an option. It's something that is absolute. It's a precept of God, not a, something of a suggestion, but a precept. And those precepts are very important that you recognize the must of God's word. They are not uh, things that we can negotiate or think I feel or I don't f- agree with that. These are things that God requires that are absolutes. So we find that he asks, what is that must that I need to do in order to be saved? Being saved is a big deal, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I want to be saved. Uh, we're living in an hour where salvation um, is, is uh, wrought with so many voices. Uh, we we hear uh, so many voices in our, uh, our our Facebook. We hear them in our workplace. Pardon me. Um, I I know that yeah, if you don't mind, I, I know that there are uh, many voices in our lives. And if we're not careful, we will have so many voices in our lives that we will begin to live in a state of confusion. What is right? What what do I need to do to be saved? Are are they right? Are they right? Are they right? Everybody say there's only one right. right. Everybody say it's the the word of God. Save you. Man can't save you. I can't save you. Name is Jesus. And John says that he became the word and dwelt among us. The word of God is what saves you. Not me. Not this church. God and his word. So... That's why we dive into God's word. We're not going to talk about a lot of things that we think or what we believe or what we we perceive. No, we're going to see God's word and dive into it and find out what it really says. Um, And that's where we're at. So I'm going to read a passage that's a familiar passage that is used for some to claim salvation or to instruct others to be saved. And on the face of it, it seems very reasonable and it seems very uh, forthright, right? It's in Romans chapter ten. Now I'm going to read the entire chapter to you in a second, but this is the basis of that thought process: is whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's read that again. It's the word of God. Everybody shout! This is the word of God. Uh, uh, I, I want you to recognize very quickly that um, anything that we're talking about is not coming from Nate Nix. It's coming from the Word of God. It's not coming from my my thoughts. We're going to talk right out of the Word of God. This is the Word of God. It says these words Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to take you on a journey in understanding that we do not make doctrine or beliefs based on a single scripture or a single passage. It is based on the entirety. Can you say that with me? Entirety of the word of God. It's based in the thread of what's going on. What is referenced and how it's referenced. Now, we're going to go to Romans 10. And we're going to read Romans 10. And one of the things you're going to recognize very quickly is that Paul is writing to the Israelites. Watch me. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for what? I need you to shout that. What? Israel is that they may be what saved so there was a church in Rome it was in the house of Caesar and it was filled with Jewish people he's speaking to Jewish people in Rome that's why it's called Romans because that's who he addressed it to so I want you to, to, to say Jewish people, Jewish people. right our, our our Jewish brethren and sisters The Israelites. So, Paul is speaking in this moment very specifically to the Jews. You're going to notice that he makes an Old Testament reference that Moses speaks about life and death, right? You're going to notice that he references things that are familiar. The Torah was very familiar to them, so he made a reference, just like Jesus made household references looking for a coin. All the, 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 the sheep, the, the farming, the agriculture, the things that Jesus used to describe things that we could understand, right? So in this moment, Paul is speaking to the Jewish people and he's trying to help them to be what? Saved. He says in verse 2, For I bear them witness, who's them? Israelite. Israelites, right? That they, the Jews, the Israelites, have a zeal for God, Amen. They have a desire for God, but not according to knowledge. I want you to recognize the hour that we're living and how this scripture fits. We know a lot of people. I know a lot of wonderful, amazing people who have a great zeal and desire for God, but they are not equipped with the word of God as the knowledge base, and they are tossed about to and fro in the world that we live in. Not because they're bad people. Not because they don't love Jesus. They have a zeal, a desire. That word zeal means a burning. It's it's greater than just a a passive, I I wonder what that's about. No, it's a zeal. Paul was called a zealot for the Jews. That word comes from that root zeal. And that means to be fanatical about this. So they are fanatical about wanting to know God, but they don't have the knowledge you know why bible study is so important you know why i'm challenging people when they say things to me and i say can you show me in your bible show me in the word of god because they're not doing this from a place of knowledge they're doing this from a place of repetition of things we've heard either all our life or fresh and new off the internet and those things are what will cause us Great pain and suffering in our life if we don't know for ourselves. Someone shout amen. amen. So I'm challenging us, right? Not according to you better know the knowledge of God's word. And when you when you get knowledge, then you need to pray for understanding by the revelation of God, by the fasting and prayer, that the revelation would come with the knowledge. Because you can have all the knowledge you need if you don't have what understanding of the depth of the scripture, what God's trying to say, then you just know the book. You don't know the author of the book. Did you hear what I just said? So um, I want you to recognize For they being ignorant, we're going to go to verse three. Who are they? The Jewish people, the, 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 the people he's talking about. By the word, the word ignorant is not name calling. It's a, it's a place of, of residence. I'm ignorant of flying a rocket. Does that make me a bad person? no. It just, I'm not, I have no knowledge when it comes to flying rockets, right? This doesn't make me, it's not name calling, it's a fact. I don't know how to fly a rocket. I'm ignorant, right, in that area. He's saying you're ignorant of what? God's righteousness and seek to establish their what? Own righteousness. How do they do that? Well, if you you keep reading, you're going to find out it's through the law. It's because they, they try to follow the law and Christ at the same time. And it doesn't work that way, right? Christ came, fulfilled the law. He's giving you a a place of grace and mercy, forgiveness of sin. That was not a part of the law. So uh, uh, God has purchased something fresh and new for you. So he says, not according to knowledge, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, they seek to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Everybody say submit. I preached Sunday about, you know, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. There's an act and what he will lift you up. You've got to submit in order to be lifted, right? So the knowledge of God comes through when you say, Lord, not my brain, not my will, not my thoughts, but your word, your will, and your thoughts, right? So he's saying to them, look, don't try to establish your own righteousness. It's his filthy rags, he later writes. But here he's saying, you're not submitting to the righteousness of God. Verse four, for Christ is the end of the law. I don't know how else he can say this. This is pretty plain, pretty pretty straightforward. The law is done. You can't be saved by it. Here it is. Christ came for the end of the law. Why? For righteousness. He ended the law so he could make us through his blood. Not through the blood of lambs and goats. That did not make us righteous. They simply pushed our sin up another year. So now we are made righteous by the ending of the law, by the blood of the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, the blood that Jesus shed for you and I. And then he says this, to everyone who believes. Someone shout, believes. Now, the first week we talked about the necessity of believing, having faith. That's this faith that's being talked about right here. For Moses writes about, you see how he slips that in? he brings those Jewish people back to a place of familiarity for their reference. Moses, the Torah. He says, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, right? The man who does those things shall live by them. In other words, you've got to do all the law. You've got to fulfill. And and he later writes, it says, no man has ever fulfilled the law. So, but the righteousness of faith, verse 6 Speaks in this way, and then he quotes the Old Testament again. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? that is to bring Christ down from above, or Who will descend from into the abyss? that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? If you go back in the reference and 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 Believe it's in Levitic, uh, I'll have to give you the reference. I had it. It was in my notes. And, and I don't know how it's not there right now. But it's not. Um, that, but you can find it in any Thompson channel. You can do a search. And you're, and you're, and you're, I'll, I'll give it to you in a few minutes. I'll do my magic on the, uh, my Bible. Um, but that reference. When he says. But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is literally a reference in the Old Testament. Of saying you've got to decide to live or die. You've got to say, in your mouth, you're going to speak life. In your heart, you're going to speak life. Or are you going to die? This is a reference to the Old Testament. And I, I will take you to that passage here in a few minutes. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth... by say amen. amen. This is the passage that's before the one I read. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be, someone say, I will be, I will be saved. How many believe this word is truth? Amen. I'm going to give you an example for the moment, an understanding. Um, I meant to bring up one of our cookbooks that the ladies are selling. And I want. we're going to talk about, we're, uh, tonight we're doing a cooking show. And uh, we're doing a cooking show on how to bake an apple pie. Right? And I want you to set your ovens at 365 degrees. And that's it. Right? Well, well what else we need? Well, you'll figure it out later. Don't worry about it. You know? So you go to your oven, you said, I don't have apples, I don't have cinnamon, I, I don't have I have I don't have crust. I I'm missing the other ingredients to this story. And if we're not careful when we study about the word of God and salvation, we will miss ingredients thinking that we have the whole pie when you are not looking at the whole pie. You're not having the entirety of the ingredients that God is trying to give us. I'm going to show you in a second exactly what I'm talking about. I referenced it last week, and I'm going to show you through the Scripture how this will play out for you in understanding. Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy 30. Can you read that for me, Brother Dan? Yeah. I can... The command I give you this day is not too difficult for you to understand. It is not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? Right. It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea and bring it where we can hear it and obey? No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and it is at your heart so you can obey. Listen. Now listen, today I give you a choice between life and death. There it is. I'm giving you a choice between, it's on your lips. It's on your lips. It's in your heart. It's near you, but you have to make the choice. I'm giving you a choice of life or death, God says, in Deuteronomy 30. So that's the reference in which Paul writes from. So when you're studying God's word, when it's quoted from someplace else, you should always go to that place and study what is it talking about? What's the reference? Now, you and I may struggle with the reference, but the Jewish people that he was speaking to knew exactly what he was talking about. Because it was a part of their training, it was a part of their everyday reading in the temple, it was a part of the Torah. So they knew immediately what that was talking about. You and I have to go research it, right? But we don't do that a lot in our Christian walk. We just read it and go on. So when you understand that, that Paul is trying to talk to them, you have a choice of life or death. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart, right? So understand that. And then he says, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus said, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How many believe... That if you believe and choose life, that you're going to be saved. You you choose Jesus, you're going to be saved. Someone shout amen. 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 So a part of believing is unequivocally confessing. Unequivocally. You've got to speak it. you got to believe it in your heart. So is this somehow false doctrine? No, but it's not the completion of the doctrine. Amen. amen. So I'm going to show you. So keep going. Verse 10 for with the heart one believes believes. believes. <laughs> that word's very important in this passage unto, unto righteousness and with the mouth confess and is made unto what? salvation, salvation. Mm. you've got to speak to God ask for forgiveness, you've got to confess that he is the king of kings, lord of lords that he died for you, you've got to speak that word into your life that's an absolute but that's not all For the scripture says, whosoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Believes. Everybody shout believes. Believes. So this believes is that faith, right? That is an action word. Remember we talked about this? It's not something that's stagnant, something that's dead. Every time you read the word believes, it's something that we're acting on. I'm going to show you in a second the completion of this. Um, verse 12 for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek how many are glad there's no distinction and and this backs up my whole summation about how that we are no longer under the law or Jewish following Jewish traditions because the gospel is making no distinction between Jews and Greeks Gentiles for the same Lord I shout the same same Lord over all is rich to all who what? Call upon him. Someone shout amen. 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 Verse, verse, verse uh, 10 and verse 13. This is what I read to you in our text. For whosoever calls, someone say calls, on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we have, so do, I, I, in this one passage right here, before we go on to verse 14, we have two sets of things. I've got to believe, confess with my heart, believe in my heart, but then I just got to call. So, is it, is it the first one? Or is it, well, it's a com- combination of all these together that Paul is trying to describe to these people. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? You can't do verse 13 without doing verse 12 and 10. So there is a progression of, I've got to confess with my mouth, believe in my heart, and then a part of that is calling on Him, believing in Him. Let's keep going. So, how can they call on Him if they've not even heard? How, and how shall they believe of Him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Everybody shout! I need a preacher you gotta have a man of God a woman of God that expounds the word of God shows you the greater truths of God reveals it through not their words not their knowledge but through the knowledge of the Holy Spirit in the word of God so we know in our world that there is a sect that believes that all I've gotta do is say dear Lord Jesus come into my heart and it's done I'm over and that's like saying all I need is cinnamon to cook an apple pie it's not true it's part truth it's a part of the truth. It's in the word of God, but there's more to our walk. Now, I'm going to take you to John chapter 3. And I want to walk you through the story of Nicodemus, right? A lot of us stop in the story of Nicodemus when we're done talking about uh, you must be born again. Yeah. It's a, there's, there's a lot more to this story. Yeah. i walk you through the rest of Nicodemus, And I'm going to help you understand what we just read in Romans. This is Jesus speaking. Now I want to remind you that Jesus talked to his disciples and said, if you repent, you will be saved. I'm going to read that in a minute. Right? And then he said, if you repent and are baptized, I'm going to read that in a minute, you're going to be saved. Right? Jesus brought them, not all the truth at one time, for he was trying to help them grow towards what he was going to reveal to them and give them in their hearts. So uh, the Bible says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. We find Jesus very, uh, almost curtly says to him, turns to him and says, most assuredly, I say unto you, In other words, yeah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, everybody say born again. again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. So, uh, can I be saved and not see the kingdom of God? The answer is no. In order to be, the idea or the absoluteness of salvation is that I will be in the kingdom of God, heaven. So he says, most surely, I say, unless one is born again, he cannot enter. Watch Nicodemus says unto him, how can a man be born? He's confused because he's thinking only in the natural, not in the spiritual. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother? These are legitimate questions because Jesus just said, you've got to be born again. These are not far out questions. He's trying to figure this out. He has a zeal for God, but he doesn't have knowledge. You got that? So don't ever criticize people that want to know God, but don't know all of what God wants to have for them. Don't ever criticize someone's walk with Christ. You don't know where they've been or what they're going through and what revelations are coming to them. You don't know that. Walk beside them, love them, care for them. Amen? And be that person that will just help them understand the fullness of God's word. Here it is. Can we enter a second time when this woman will be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly. Again. Kind of curtly. Got word for you. You need to hear me. I say unto you, unless one is born... Then he adds, what? Of what? Water. Everybody shout water. Water. And the what? Spirit. Spirit. Don't you notice this is not a small S. This is a capital S. There's a distinction in the scripture. This is talking about the spirit of the living God. You must be born again of the spirit of the living God. The spirit. You must be born of water and of spirit. So there are some that say that Jesus was referring to the mother's womb and the busting of the water. It's not. It's not what he's referring to. That's It's improper translation. That's improper uh, dissection of this passage. He's talking about baptism. We, the reason we know that is because of all the other things. Again, we can't build doctrine on one scripture or passage. All the other things that Jesus said about baptism and water and how that he himself was baptized by the by john right so we know he's referring to water because not this one passage but because of all the other passages plus this passage so we we build doctrine based on what god says not what we think he says not what we surmise what we take we've got to do what god says someone say amen so most assuredly so he says you got to be born again of the water and the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God so in order to be saved I got to be born because I can't enter into the place he's promised me unless I do this born again of the water and the spirit so that which is born of the flesh is flesh but and he says that which is born of the spirit capital S is spirit so we don't become capital S. We become little s. We become spirit filled. Right. We become a, a born again of that spirit of God. And then he says in verse seven to him, "Do not marvel." In other words, don't think that uh, uh, or be shocked by this. Don't don't to be like, oh, what in the world are you talking about? He says, "I I say unto you." In other words, don't argue with me. Most assuredly, I've told you. You must be born again. How are you born again? Of the water and the spirit. That's what Jesus said. It's not pastor Nate, It's the word of God. And then he says in verse 7, the wind blows, right? He's describing what this born again of the spirit is. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is what? Born of the spirit. That's, how we understand acts 238 that's how we understand acts 1 and, and the upper room experience Jesus was referencing something that was on its way There's going to be something that happens in your life and when the spirit comes it's going to feel like a wind you're not going to know us there's going to be a sound and in the book of acts it says there was a sound as a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house where they were sitting and there was another sound that's right of cloven tongues like as on fire In verse uh, 9, Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Why did he ask that? He's a Jew. He is a keeper of the law. And this is so foreign to his thinking. Paul was speaking to who? The Jews. And what he was speaking was what? So foreign to them. He tried to... Soften the understanding by quoting the Torah and bringing them to places of familiarity to describe what they need to do. Jesus, in this same manner, is trying to use a birth, a mother. A, 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 understand. He's trying to understand this. No, it's not like your mother's birth. You're not going back to your mother's womb. You must be born again of the water and the spirit. And then he describes this spirit rebirth. He said, how can these things be? Jesus answered to him, are you the teacher of Israel? and do not know these things? That's a, that's a pretty big uh, slam. <laughs> um, you don't know the prophecies of old? Do you not know what Daniel wrote? Do you not know what the psalmist wrote? Do you not know what Isaiah prophesied? Did you not know, do you not understand that this has been a part of the Messiah's return? Do you not know that this has been spoken of the prophet Joel? Do you not know? Are you kidding me? You're a teacher? And this is the hour that we're living. Listen, folks. There are people that profess... That they are teachers and they don't have the knowledge of God's word. Yeah. They don't know. And Jesus is scolding him. You call yourself a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Listen. Jesus answered, said to him, again in verse 11. Most assuredly, I say unto you, There's, there it is again. We speak what we know. We testify what we have seen. And you do not receive our witness. It's the the continuation of the spanking, so to speak. (laughs) I've been walking with you. I've been talking. I've been, the news has been abroad. I've healed the sick. I've raised the dead. And I am a witness. And yet you still don't believe. You have not received our witness. Verse 12. If I had told you earthly things, watch this. And you do not believe. (laughs) How will you believe if I tell you what? Heavenly things. Hear me, hear this pastor. I'm being as loving and kind as possible. Don't cast your pearl before swine. Make sure that you have laid enough kindness and love and understand the field in which you're standing. Someone that wants to fight with you and argue with you is not going to understand heavenly things. They're going to see them earthly like Nicodemus was seeing them. Do I have to go back to my mother's womb? And you're going to say, why can't you see this? Because they have not had revelation by the knowledge of the word of God. They only see them in a physical realm, not a heavenly realm. And so, as one ascends to heaven, who has came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven, Right? Verse 14, and as Moses, here's another reference, watch this. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Jesus brings them back. Nicodemus, I'm going to take you to a reference point. You do understand. You don't understand this new birth, but you you do understand this because you're a teacher of Israel. So, I'm going to take you back. Moses, lifted up the servant of the wilderness, And even so must the Son of Man be lifted. In verse 15, that whosoever believes in him should not perish. Now, if I pulled verse 15 out and made that a doctrine, yeah. you wouldn't know what Nicodemus was told. You just got to believe. And that's what they're doing with Romans 10. Right? You just got to believe. Believe in him and you shall not perish. You're going to have eternal life. But we know that Nicodemus got told a lot of other stuff. And so he keeps going. Watch this. This is important. Because when Jesus tells Nicodemus to believe, what is he telling him to believe or do? You must be born again. There's a process. You've got to walk according. You must. Not maybe, not might. You must follow my command. My example. Through water baptism and through infilling of the Holy Spirit. So he says... Oh, whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world. How many have heard this? Huh? How many watched this in the end zone of every Super Bowl, right? John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten son, that whosoever what believes in him. Now, again, there's a lot of folks that use this as doctrine. You just gotta believe. But what am I believing? What, am I, what, am I, what did the jailer say? What must I do in order to be saved? Jesus said, you must be born again of the water and the spirit. So a lot of people don't connect John 3.16 to the story of Nicodemus. But Jesus is talking to Nicodemus when he says this. I don't think you maybe realize the impact or understanding that needs to come when you say... That for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How am I thankful for that passage? But it's, it's like saying I'm, back, I'm baking an apple pie and I don't need apples. I'm just, I just want, give me some a little sugar. Right? No, you need the entire recipe. You've got to have the entire. In order to get the pie, you've got to have all the ingredients that's what we have to understand about. That's why we find in the book of Acts, after Jesus came, after he died, after he rose again, that's why we see Peter preaching. Preaching what? The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. That's why we see the concentration of the commands that God has given us in Acts 2.38, in Acts 42, in Acts 19, in Acts 10, in Acts 8. We can go on and on and on and see this, this perpetuation of what we must do to be saved. So, we can't take one passage and say, well, that's, that's what Jesus said. Yeah, he's, he said this, but you can't let it stand alone. That's heresy. Let me say it again. You can't let it stand alone. You've got to add to the word of God, not your thoughts, but the rest of the promise of the covenant. So when you get a new car and you you get a manual, what do you do if you go through it? If you only read the chapter on transmissions, you're really not going to know how to deal with that car. You got to read everything. Am I right? Uh, My wife just got a a new, uh, we got a water maker thing and, and our purifier thing that sits on the countertop and. And, uh, and we decided we're going to quit buying bottled water. We want to do better for the environment and all this stuff, right? So I'm tired of throwing away plastic. That's really the reason. Um, so uh, we bought this thing. Well, it took, it took her uh, three, three or four hours to figure that thing out. <laughs> What in the world it 's a water purifier, but they had her doing all kinds of stuff and taking things out and purifying that and rinsing that and making sure you know, do this and do, and i 'm thinking to myself, thank God she has the instruction manual. How many put things together that they don't use the instruction manual? Right, they just kind of hope it gets together. Right, go to IKEA and buy something and try to put it together without the instruction manual. You're gonna, you're gonna have a mess. You're gonna have a hundred dollars worth of sticks in your in your living room. Um, so, what am I saying today? is that the Word of God is not to be read in uh, alone by itself, building doctrine out of individual things, but rather out of the entirety. Can you say that with me? The entirety of our promise, the covenant that Christ purchased for us, is not in f- one phrase or one scripture. It is in the entirety of the Word of God. People that do not study. Hear me, I'm I'm, I'm just being honest. It's the people that do not study to show themselves approves that fall into the trap of believing things that are not complete. So what do we do? We celebrate what they know. We don't tell them you're going to hell in a handbasket because that's not our pay grade. That's none of our business. What is our business? To be the Philip in their life. To come along beside them and say, do you understand what you're reading? That's our call, to love them. Not judge them. Everybody say amen. Amen. It's not our call to judge It's our call to love them. Jesus Christ is their only righteous judge. Come alongside them. By the way, they will give an account for what they know. And many people simply do not know. Do not judge them. Let them walk in Christ. Let them have revelation. I want you to think about something. I said this to to Pastor Dan this morning. I said, this this is important. I said to him, Jesus had his disciples... For three and a half years. Is that right? And they didn't get the Holy Ghost. Until the end of the three and a half years. Because there was not enough revelation to come to them. And the promise had not been completely fulfilled. He walked them through what? The the baptism of John came along. They weren't baptized unto the Spirit, they were baptized unto repentance on John. Does that mean they were, you know, no, we find in Acts 19, they come along some of people. Hey, have you received since you believed? We did not even hear. We had no knowledge. Now we do, and they went and acted on it. So God comes to us. This is, and I tell people this all the time. You know, why, why did God take all that time in the Old Testament to get us to the cross? <laughs> oh, he did that, as a process that man went through in order to receive what he had for them. He did it because he knew what he had to accomplish before he got to the cross. He knew there had to be an example. We would not know what lust is if the law had not shown us. That's what Paul wrote. There were things that must take place in order for the cross and Jesus to, for, uh, to go to the Calvary and, and take our burden of sin. The process, do you think how many believe God could have done it from day one? How many believe God could have created the church before he created the garden? He's God. He could have started out with the book of Acts and the outpouring of He didn't. He started man on a journey, and you and I are on a journey. Do not take for granted that God is a God of mercy and grace, and his grace is sufficient on our journey. His grace is sufficient on our journey. So if God takes the whole creation and all of mankind on a journey and he takes his disciples on a journey before there's revelation, who are we to say that people need to finish everything up in one night? Who are we to say, well, get it over with. Come on, let's go. No! If God himself took three and a half years to disciple his disciples and to reveal to the truth That's why we have shallow Christianity, because we birth people who are not grounded in the faith. They don't understand what repentance is. They are born and aborted. They are born and left to die. But we celebrate their birth. We need to be celebrating their discipleship. We need to be celebrating the thing that's inside of them. That, wow, God spoke to me out of his word today. That's what we should be celebrating. Why? Because it's disciples that we were commanded to make. Not converts. Disciples. Not followers. Disciples. And in that discipleship, we have to allow God to work on people's heart. Number one, I don't know... Well, I actually do. But I don't know Nan's story. You don't know my story. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know my hurts, my fears, my anxieties. You don't know that. God knows. God knows. He knows my heart. No man knows the heart except God, right? So when I walk into a personalized, you know, I um, Zayla, right? Is that right? Zayla, did I get it? Yeah. Woohoo! I'll tell you later what word picture I got in my mind for you. Um, It's xylophones. Zayla, Zayla. Um, um, I have to word picture, right? Um, Zayla brought her parents to God's house this week, right? And they were so moved and so excited, and, and, and God just ministered. It was beautiful, wasn't it? It was so cool to watch them just, just be in God's presence and the love that they felt, right? And I, I, I'm, I'm so excited because God reintroduced himself to them in a way that they, they knew was there. They knew was real. Zayla's mom said to me, she goes, I know for sure that God is here. <laughs> She goes, undoubtedly. I feel him all over me. And I was like, yes! Yes. So what do we want to do? We want to start them in in learning about God's word and revealing the truth, not by my timeline, but through God's timeline in his word. Someone shout amen. Amen. That's tough for us. That's tough for me. Because I want it all done. I want it wrapped up in a little bow. Let's move on. That's not the way God works. Uh, Brother Wally, uh, you wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for Dr. Donahoe just being your friend and loving you and walking beside you. <laughs> and, and that's what it took someone showing you, walking beside you, honoring the things that you know in God and helping you learn more about God. That's how we're going to see the world turned upside down for the name of Jesus Christ. And the truth in their life will come. Watch this. For God did not send his son into the world to what? I can't hear you. What? Condemn Condemn the world, but that the world, what through him might be saved. We're only going to be saved through Jesus. Someone say amen. 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 We're only going to be saved by obeying the words of Jesus. We're only going to be saved by completing the process that Jesus purchased for us on Calvary. It does not mean that you have to complete the process in 90 days or it's void. You got to start over. No. I always say to myself when I'm mentoring people and talking to people about Jesus, that they are on a journey that I'm not on. I don't know their journey. My job is to walk beside them and show them the love of God, the truth of God, and help them obey God's word. Someone say amen. amen. Look, Jesus and, and Mark, listen to this, I'm almost done. Uh, Jesus and Mark uh, tells us, and he said to them, Go unto all the world. This is him talking to his disciples. He, says, he said to them, Go unto all the world and what? Preach, Preach the gospel to what? Every, every creature, every person. It's not talking about having revivals for pets. Um, it's talking about every creature, speaking of every race, kindred, kind, tongue. We know that's true because of the book of Revelations tells us that's who will be there. Verse 16, I want you to look at it carefully up there. He says, and who believes? He who what? Believes. believes. What did he tell Nicodemus? You got to be born again. So he says, he who believes and is baptized. So, it's not just about saying, I believe, I have faith, I declare with my mouth. No, there's there's more to it. There's a doing to the gospel. And is baptized, will be saved. This is Jesus talking, who he believes and... Now, the Holy Ghost had not been poured out, and that's why it's not referenced here. Right? The promise had not been fulfilled. There, There was no knowledge of it. There would be no understanding of it. But he would get to that, wouldn't he? He would show them. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17. And these, I love this passage. Signs will what? Follow them. Everybody shout will. Will. What does that word mean? Absolute. Absolute. What'd you say? Must. They must follow. Look. If people believe, they will. At some point in their walk with God, understand how to cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. It's an absolute. They must. It's not maybe, might, no. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's an absolute. So when I'm I'm walking and talking with people, I'm teaching them Bible studies. I'm trying to... Plant that word deep. Uh, you're going to speak with new tongues. He says. When I try to plant that and help them understand that depth of God's word, it's only when we stop. It's only when we stunt, when we get to a place where we say, "Well, I've repented and that felt really good. So I don't need to go any further." No. If you're truly seeking, if you're zealous, if you have a zeal for God, the knowledge will continue to come because that fervor for God will continue. You can't seek God and not find him. It's only when we stop seeking that we get stuck. And when we get stuck, we begin to try to find comfort with what we already know not growing any further in the gospel. I tell people all the time that if you're not careful, you will only fulfill you'll you'll say it's an apple pie, but all it has is sugar in it. It lacks the apples. I hope that makes sense. That you can't say you have something when you don't. You've got to complete the entirety of the process. You've got to mix stuff. You've got to cut stuff. You've got to wash stuff. You've got to roll stuff out. You've got to put it in a pan. You've got to turn the oven on. you got to... It's a process. And so it is with our salvation. God has us. How many believe that God has us? In the palm of his hand, the scripture says. And the enemy can't remove us. The question is, are you seeking? Are you stretching? Are you trying to find? Are you have a zeal for God to have knowledge about him, to know him in the fullness of truth? It's only when we decide to be a Christian in word and not in deed that we find ourselves in trouble with this process. Someone say amen. Amen. So let's read one final passage. Peter said to them what? Come on, repent. We talked about repent last week, right? Repent, repent, repent. It's not about just saying, oh, Lord, I for- Lord please forgive me. No, it's a, an act of the heart. It's a lifestyle change. It's a turning around. It's saying, I'm going to do my very best to walk away from that. And where I can't, God's going to fill in the gaps. And His grace is going to be sufficient. It doesn't mean I continue in the sin, God forbid. But I work wrong, so I repent. And let every one of you be what? Baptized, someone shout baptized, in the name of what? Jesus Christ. The, the, the name is important in your baptism. When Matthew 28, 19 says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, how many believe that scripture? How many know it's the truth? But there's a name. Father's not a name, Son's not a name, and Holy Spirit's not a name. There's a name, and that name is given to us. And by the way, it continually talks to us about Under there's no other name given under heaven whereby we what? I must see. be saved. There's only one name. Everybody shout one name. One name. And His name is Jesus. Through his, name. his name is Jesus. Who's so and there is a place in our hearts that we have to have revelation. I have knowledge of it, but you got to pray and God help them be or have revelation of what you want to do in their life and how you want to reveal yourself. For the what? Remission of sins. Why am I baptized? It's not for a public confession. It's not so everybody sees it. I, I'm doing it because Jesus did it. And he said, go baptize. So it's a command. I say it's a command. Command. You can't disobey a command of God in any way, shape. You can't disobey thou shalt not kill and think that you can have a place in heaven. You're obeying a command. This is not works. This is obedience. So he says, you you must be born again. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says for the remission. That word remission is a very important word in in our understanding. For the eradication. That word literally means eradicate. To do. What people don't understand is when they're baptized. They come up a new creature in Christ. They literally. God chooses. Hear me today. To forget. All your. Is he capable of remembering? Yes. But his covenant with you is. I choose to forget all of your sins. As far as the east is from the west. is I'm going to separate you from this sin. I am no longer going to judge you. I don't care what you did yesterday. I, God himself, is not going to judge you by what you were. You were an axe murderer. I'm going to forgive you. Today is a new day. You're a new creature. You have an opportunity to all things new. Well, I still feel like an axe murderer. Well, guess what? God doesn't see you like one. I'm using an extreme here. But it's the truth about an ex murderer. Yeah. They can be saved. Yeah. Absolutely. So when you look at this, you have to recognize that this is for not the pushing up of my sins. This is for the eradication of my sins. So anything that I have done in my past, God says, I am covenanting with you. I am making a blood covenant with you that I choose by my own will to never remember what you did in your past. That, that blows my mind. It blows my mind. The God who knows everything decides to remove your sin from his database. <laughs> Think about it. You talk about a miracle. The, the miracle should be that we also learn to live in the fact that I truly am forgiven. That God really doesn't see me and looking down saying, Oh man, I can't believe what they did back then. No, but Dan, Dan, Carl, he forgets. It's us that keeps remembering. So what? Love your neighbor as... Start loving yourself. And recognize that you're a sinner saved by grace. And you're going to continue to make mistakes because that's who you are. But God's grace is going to be sufficient in your life when you ask for forgiveness and turn from that sin. God will always be there for you in the midst of your greatest darkness. Yes, so, what does he say? Baptize in the name. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say shall. Shall. So that again, same thing. Must. You must receive. You will receive. Some of the problems that we have in, in our in, in our... Uh, uh, movements, especially in the Pentecostal movement is that we think that Acts 2.38 because it's written in one verse that it should be completed in one setting and it's not so whatsoever it's the culmination of the gospel it's presented to us as a as a way to understand what must we do to be saved but it doesn't mean that it all happens in, the, in a split second overnight in one setting it is between you and God and His, again, you pursue Him He will reveal himself to you. He will reveal himself to you. And that conviction, not not condemnation, not guilt, but that conviction. I need to do. God's talking to me. I need to change. There's something in my life I need to get rid of. There's anger I need to get out. There's bitterness I need to release. There's things that I need to do. And oh my goodness, I think... I think I need to be baptized I, I, I'm, I'm feeling this and, and man I, I really need to seek this Holy Spirit that we're talking about why? because it will come as you are finding zealousness and, and, and saying I want God everything I want everything someone shout amen. amen so what is it? faith, believing the gospel, repenting of our sins being baptized in Jesus name receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost that is the do, what must I do? That's what I must do. Yep. Not in a consensus, not in a bad, no. As God deals with your heart and works with you. His grace is sufficient in the meantime. Amen. Amen. Walk according to faith. By grace are you saved through faith. Right. Amen. I love every one of you. God bless. I'll see you next week. We'll talk more about baptism next week. In Jesus' name.